Hello, I'm Sarah Connolly and today I'm with Ashley Millman Passio, the South African and current African Continental Road Race and ITT champion and all-round fantastic rider who races for high tech. Hello Ash. Hi How's how how are you? Yeah, I'm well, thanks. Um, some great weather here in Spain at the moment and some good training and really looking forward to the upcoming races. Yeah, we're about to come and do some, um, your, well, they're kind of your home races now, aren't they, since you live in the northern Spain? I know they're on the wrong side of the country. Yeah, but... they are almost. Um, to be honest, actually, um, I suppose the racing now in Spain kind of has a special place for me because um, when I first came over to Europe in, in 2010, it was the first European um, races that I did with Lotto Bellisol. Um, yeah. Obviously, I mean, the Velo de Lid, um, World Cup was obviously part of the calendar then, which no longer exists. But, um, yeah, they made me here to and Durango um, racing with the Lotto Bellisol team. So, yeah, it's a special race. Yeah, and they're, um, they're quite different races, aren't they? Because Durango Durango is, 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 it, is, it, is it flat? Is it a sprinty race? Durango Durango is actually, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough race. So not traditionally a, a sprint. Um, obviously, maybe a sprint from a small group, mm -hmm. uh, but it could also be a solo victory um, because it starts with uh, four laps, which aren't that tough. It has a little climb in it, but um, nothing too big for any sprinters to get over. But then um, we head away from the, the local lap and we go up two climbs, um, which are quite big. Mm -hmm. And they're not that long I suppose the longest is probably five to seven k's but they, they're decent climbs so usually I mean last year for example there was there were five of us and um, that had gotten away at the top of of the climb it was um Evelyn um Elisa Emma Johansson and uh, Mariana and um, myself and um yeah funny enough as we were going down the descent um I suddenly started to, uh, I almost crashed going around of the corner, one of the corners and I realized, shit, there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. And later realized it was a slow puncture. So I had to let go of the four and they rode away to, to, you know, contest the sprint for the win at the finish line. And I managed to hang on fifth place before the bunch from behind court. But yeah, generally it's not a, a sprint finish, maybe a sprint from a small group. Mm. But I mean, uh, that must be, that must be bittersweet because on the one hand, to lose to, to not be able to make it to the end game because of a puncture but on the other hand to know that you were up there and it was only a mechanical that stopped you I mean how does that feel yeah it, it's you know cycling is a tough sport in that way um you you can you can do all the preparation all the training um mm -hmm. but there's obviously certain aspects which are out of your control and it's about learning to to handle that as well I mean um, yeah, I mean, last year's tour in Spain, you know, this Emanquim Bira and Duranga Duranga race has sort of a, a bittersweet sort of feeling for me because, like I said to you, it's a special race. It was my first race for Lotto Bellisol. Um, it was also, you know, from the beginning, I, I did well in the in the Emanquim Bira tour because there used to be an uphill time trial. Mm -hmm. So even from the first tour that I did um, there, I think I finished seventh um, on the first uphill time trial, which was quite good considering it was my first tour ever in Europe um, at the time. And then, you know, it was also the tour first sort of UCI podium experience that I had because I, I won the polka dot jersey in 2011. Mm -hmm. um, so there's been a fair amount of success um, in the tour, but then I've also had some really bad luck um, with illness um, in 2012, um, which eventually forced me to abandon the tour. And then 
Um, last year, I also had to, other than the bad luck with the puncture on the Durango Durango race, I eventually ended up abandoning the tour because I had quite a hard crash. There's obviously a lot of rain mm-hmm. associated with racing in the Basque region, and I had a really bad crash on a te- on a very steep um, descent in the tour, and I fell really hard on my glute, which I later realized I'd um, I'd done some damage or bruising to the sciatic nerve. Mm-hmm. So I completely lost all the power in the one leg, which oh my was goodness. Which was quite a disturbing experience because, um, yeah, suddenly you just don't feel like you're the same rider. You're yeah. suddenly dropping from the peloton on the climbs, whereas before you'd be up in the front, you know. So, um, yeah, I've had some really bad experiences, but also some great experiences. So I just hope that um, that this year will be a good experience again <laughs> with some good luck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can you describe the? I mean, the Macamine Bera. It's 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 such a beautiful race to me. I mean, I wish I long for the uphill time trial again. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> me too. <laughs> but I mean, can, could you describe the race a little bit for people who don't know it? Um, yeah, I mean, it changes slightly from year to year, but more or less sort of in the same area and similar terrain. So um, no uphill finishes, um, but a fair amount of, of climbing. Again, it's not terribly long climbs like mm. 15 k's or 10 k's. It's more sort of in the range of, of three to seven kilometer climbs. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a nice tour. Um, it can generally be quite exciting, you know. Um, leaders' jerseys can change, can be, you know, solo victories, but can also be sprints from small groups to big bunch sprints. So it caters for all the different um, sort of, you know, riding styles. It's a good tour to, to come with a, a good team, you know, including a sprinter, good climbers, good breakaway riders, you know. Um, and, yeah... <laughs> Very often there's um, a lot of rain. <laughs> the Basque region is renowned for that really fine rain, yeah. uh, which can be quite, quite annoying. You know, day to day, you know, having to motivate yourself to go out there and race um, in the rain and wet conditions. Um, there's also often a lot of oil on the roads, so mm-hmm. it is quite dangerous in that aspect. Um, but yeah, it's exciting racing, rolling terrain with um, with some slightly longer climbs. Excellent. And obviously last year you did, you know, you didn't, you weren't able to finish stage four because of the crash, but then a couple of weeks later you were racing the Giro and you were the first rider from Africa and South Africa to ever get on the podium at the Giro, weren't you? Um, yeah, I was. I finished third on stage four of the Giro. Which was such uh, a beautiful finish to watch. I mean, that, that kind of, that last, I don't know, uphill sprint makes it sound too easy. <laughs> yeah, but that's almost exactly what it is. Yeah, it was really exciting. Um, yeah, it was. It was actually, you know, obviously Spain is a, a good um, preparation tour for mm-hmm. the Giro as well. It's where you know you start to see who's on form and or who's coming to form, um, and you know test the climbing legs out a bit. So um, it's a great preparation tour for the Giro. And um, having not finished the tour because of. A, a, a minor injury, as, as you would say, it was a little bit um, you know, hard for me because I wasn't sure how long it was going to take to mm-hmm. to um, you know get back to full strength or full power in my legs. So yeah, it's about staying calm always as a cyclist. As I say, there's all these challenges that face us, and um, it's about trying to stay positive. And and um, yeah, luckily the um, it wasn't too bad the bruising or around the sky and sciatic nerve. So I managed to to come good for the Giro again and um, yeah it was great to get a podium there and eventually to finish eighth on GC. 
Yeah, and you've kind of been doing, you've been, I think I said to you at the time, you've been doing this, this um, getting better and better on the Giro GC by a couple of places every time. So um, that's good for this year. It is indeed. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting uh, because like, I made huge leaps um, in improvement sort of at the beginning. Well, my first Giro ever, I finished 17th, which um, was good considering first, first Grand Tour for mm. women, obviously. Um, and then the step the next year was to 13th, which was still a, a great improvement from 17th to 13th. And then from there, um, the next year it was 10th. Um, so like you say, every year it's been an improvement. Um, but what I did realize is in 2012, that improvement from 13th in 2011 to 10th in 2012, although it seemed like less places, you know, numerically, it was actually a big jump. Yeah. And, and then once you start to hit the top 10, um, then, you know, the, numerically the jump looks smaller, but it just takes that much more, you know. Um, yeah. I was lying fifth on GC actually last year, and then just bad positioning hitting one of the major climbs, Mount Begua, I think it was stage, oh, I can't even remember, six, I think. Yeah, I, yes, I stage, stage five finished on Mount Begua. Yeah, so I'd actually I'd had a great finish with a podium, stage four, and sort of feeling like, wow, this, this Giro is going my way, lying fifth on GC, and then just a silly mistake of, um, you know, obviously it's hard for us, like, you know, the men go and do um, route recons for the Tour de France, for yeah. example, but it's not always that easy for us as women. We, you know, we have to be racing um, regularly because world ranking is important mm. um, to us. You know, obviously there are one or two riders that target, like, for example, Mara Abbott, who targets one tour, um, but generally, our value is determined by our world ranking. So yeah. world ranking is really important. So there's not necessarily enough time always to go and do proper recon of our, our big tours like the Giro. So not really knowing the course um, properly only from, from the race profile on paper, I misjudged the descent. And I was just positioned just too far back as we hit quite a long descent. And then straight from that descent, we went, went up this really steep Mount Begua. Mm. So, um, yeah, I... I found myself in, in a in a bad position, tried to move up as much as I could on the descent, which, you know, wasn't really much because it was quite technical, and then hit the climb on a back foot and actually put in a really big surge to try and get there to mm. contest the attacking. And later on, I realized that was a big mistake because Mount Begua was just one of these climbs that was just steep and mm. consistently steep. Mm. It never let up. So I, I got myself into the red, like at the base of the climb, just to get to the front and then never managed to get out of the red, which was, which was a challenging sort of experience because there was just no time to recover and to, so I, had I maybe let them all go and started climbing more consistently, I probably would have finished better. Yeah. But at the time, it was the panic, oh, get to the front, you know. So I learned a hard lesson there. Um, but yeah, so it was from a high to kind of a low because I slipped down on GC at that stage. And then from there to make up the positions was hard. Um, but yeah, I mean, this year also moving teams, being in high tech, obviously, with Lisa Longo Borghini. Um, you know, we both are strong climbers. So um, yeah. this year, Giro will be fun. Um, it will be also, you know, being Elisa being Italian, um, essentially, you know, the tour is for Elisa. You know, yeah. her we'll be supporting Elisa for GC um, aspirations. Um, for me, the Giro, you know, I just like to go in there and um, and use it as good preparation, maybe for Com Games, 
do some, you know, help Elisa, support Elisa where I can and, you know, to get a, to maybe get a stage win or two would be great for me. So, yeah, yeah maybe a slightly different focus this year. Didn't Elisa design one of the stages? Yes. So, obviously, last year um, was very tough for her, having crashed, yeah. really serious crash before the Giro. Um, and, yeah, that's the same. It's basically going to be the same stage from last year. Um so yeah, Elisa was on the sideline on on that day, um, in a wheelchair, which yeah. was which was really hard for her, obviously. But this year, the stage is back, and it's in her her home town, you know, in the area. And so yeah, she's obviously really motivated for that stage, and that's stage eight, um, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that will be really exciting as well. Yeah, and it must. I mean, I guess racing with um, racing with. Elisa, I mean, poor Elisa last year. That's one of those awful, awful moments, isn't it? Because she'd been targeting the Giro. She'd been definitely one of the, fa- you know, one of the favourites, or at least one of the favourites to win stages, if not the big monster climbs. But yeah, yeah. I mean, is it is it does it put a lot of pressure on the team to try and make it better for her? Yeah, as I said, the team's obviously really motivated to support Elisa. Um, you know, especially since her disappointment last year, and you know, she's been riding really strong this year and it will be interesting to be on a team with an Italian you know hero with an Italian so yeah yeah I think it's going to be um it's such a crazy race such a beautiful incredible amazing race I think it must be a bit like um I think some of the British riders must have felt what it was like at the women's tour this year yeah exactly it's a really special race for the Italians um so it's always high priority on their list and and they're always in good form for it so um yeah, it's going to be really nice. I think we'll we'll have a strong team. And I actually, just saw the route. To be honest, um, got an email from Carl Lima today, and um, with the PowerPoint presentation of all the different routes. So now we have a better idea of what what we need to prepare for. Excellent. <laughs> now, um, you've been having quite a difficult season, haven't you? I mean, you've 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 said you've been suffering from allergies so far this year. Yeah, it's it's been a challenging season. Um, I mean, it's been also. It's also been great in terms of, um, you know, for me, getting into the sport uh, much later in my life, you know, it's it's all about continuing to learn, you know, and mm. to improve. Um, and obviously, you know, experience is everything. And um, I don't have all that much time. So the faster I learn, the better. And, um, yeah, I just felt I had a one for four years with um, Lotto. And I just felt, though, that um, – change was necessary you know to to stimulate some more growth and mm. um yeah it started off really on a high you know coming over to well winning the national champs in South Africa and then coming over to Europe I had a, a really good um nice blood considering it was the first time I'd ever raced a cobbled classic I finished eighth I think it was mm. and um then getting a podium at Lissa Main and then Things started to go a little bit downhill from there um, as the spring and the pollen exploded, you know, um, so did my legs, almost literally. Oh, no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's been a real change. It's been a lot of changes. So not only a new team, a new bike, new shoes, new, you know, all sorts of new things. Um, I also had this challenge of allergies, which I've, I've had before, um, struggled a bit with allergies, but never as bad as I did um, this year. So obviously it's been hard um, mentally uh, to because you never really know how your body you, – you're traveling to all these different countries to race mm. and, you know, the pollen count and, and the um, sort of maturity of, of the spring as such differs wherever you go, you know. So 
you're never quite sure how you're going to respond when you get there. So it's about sort of going into the race and just seeing what you can do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's been a challenge, but you know, challenge is also good. Um, I I really last year I had a really good start to the year, and then I had a bad finish. Um, I also broke broke my hand obviously in the Route de France, which I think played a huge role in the the latter part of my season not going as I, as I would have liked. Mm. Uh, so this year, you know, the aim was to rather, you know, to finish off good. Um, so, you know, maybe fate is kind of playing into my hands. I've had a hard start, but maybe that's prepared me better for a, for a good finish to the season. So that's sort of the plan. Um, and hopefully things can only get better from here. <laughs> that's so typical of you, though, Ash. Whenever I think about you, I think about your... Your your blog your blogs and your Twitter you have a very upbeat approach to life or maybe it's like you always try and look on the positive side. Yeah, that is sort of my philosophy is to try and see the positive in everything. Um, because like I said to you, you know, cycling is a sport where you know you can never really um, predict or plan things. You you've just kind of got to go with the flow. Um, and so the best way to deal with the disappointments is to try and, and look for the positive in it. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of the, the life philosophy. And, yeah, it's working for me. <laughs> and I enjoy sharing, you know, I enjoy sharing the stories and, and those kind of, you know, all the lessons that I'm learning with, with people because I feel that's a way of sort of, you know, sport can sometimes be seen as, as professional sport can be seen as quite a, a selfish career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's all about winning and yourself and performance but you know for me I like to sort of see a different side to it you know where through you know all the lessons and my journey in sport I can share with others and hopefully inspire them you know to to pursue their own passion in whatever it might be you know so that's sort of the way I like to look at it yeah I mean I remember when you first came over and you had your Fembello website and you had and it was almost like it was almost like watching a fan and I mean this in the nicest possible way but it was almost like watching a fan become part of the sport yeah that was it it was um it's always been a little bit hard for me because I really um like I said to you for me it's more than just performing or winning races it's about the experience about it's about you know the whole journey as a whole and um, I'm very passionate about women's sport in general and, you know, and, and in seeing women's cycling get more um, recognition and in seeing it, it develop in Africa and South Africa. And, you know, and so it was about finding a way of doing that, but also being um, competitive as well. And, you know, it's, it's a journey that I'm still trying to um, figure out, to be honest, because there's part of me that gets really excited about you know, promoting the sport and thinking of ways of improving it and, and getting more South Africans or Africans over racing in Europe or, or whatever it might be. In general, just making the world a better place. And mm-hmm. then I have to tap myself on the shoulder and say, hey, wait, <laughs> yeah, you can't do everything. Um, you need to focus on one thing at a time and that maybe in time, um, you know, things will all fall into place. So I often have to sort of hold myself back or, or say, hey, wait, you know, focus on your riding first. Um, you're an athlete, you need to perform. Um, because obviously the better I perform, the more influence I can have, you know, in yeah. the future. So, um, yeah, it's always about finding the balance. <laughs> yeah. But you still manage to be a really good ambassador for South African sport. I mean, I, I think that's when you were last year, when you were, you know, the first South African and African on the podium of the World Cup and on the Giro, that was a really, really impressive thing. But what was it? It made me feel that you were very much carrying the 
you know, it wasn't just about yourself. It was about what it meant for the, you know, the continent and the country. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's really an honor to to be, you know, flying the flag, you know, over here internationally. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm really enjoying the journey. And But I, as I said to you, I would obviously like to see um, the sport grow more uh, in, in South Africa and Africa. And, um, you know, the challenge, of course, is that it's not just about, um, you know, seeing it grow on the continent. It's about getting the girls over here as well, yeah. which, which is a big challenge. You know, I, I don't think that... Uh, the Europeans really always understand uh, how much harder it is for um, us from the Southern Hemisphere, not only South Africans, Australians, and even the Americans who aren't Southern Hemisphere, but yeah, they're far away from Europe. Um, it's just that much harder for us um, because we really do have to, I feel that the only way to really be successful here is, is to spend um, proper amount of time here. You know, mm -hmm. so for me, it works to base myself here, and I'm very lucky to obviously have the support of, of my husband, Carl. Um, and obviously, he has an Italian passport, which really plays a, a huge role in helping me um, stay here for extended periods of time. So that's the next challenge for the Africans and South Africans, is the fact that we are, are hugely limited to three-month visas. Right. Um, and obviously, because cy cycling is not a very um, well-paid sport for women um, in particular, you know, for the men, it's okay because they can usually get working visas or they can get um, residency because they have good contracts which are paying good money. But um, for the young girls who are trying to to sort of just be noticed, um, it's really hard. So it's a, it's a big challenge for our country and our continent. And um, it's something that will take time um, to overcome, I think. But, yeah, just trying every year to to do whatever we I can do to help uh, it's good to see that there are three South Africans um, that have now come over to spend some time here other than me because unfortunately last year I was the only one here um, which is really not ideal so um, young Heidi Dalton who's riding for Lotto Belly Soul um, mm -hmm. this year she'll be riding in Spain as well and um, then another uh, um, Annelie Pretorius and Michaela Oliver are over in Holland basing themselves there and just trying to get rides, you know, doing the crits and trying to get guest rides um, yeah. for whatever race they can. So, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge for us from the Southern Hemisphere. But, yeah, every year we try and work on making it easier for the girls. What changes do you think would need to happen to make it easier for, for the Southern Hemispherians? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not an easy um, problem to solve, to be honest. I mean... Uh, I I don't know how one overcomes the the visa problems. It's it's almost like um, essentially I think we need to f try and follow in the footsteps of um, of Australia. I think they are are a really good example um, where they created um, a base here in Europe for mm. their young riders. Um, and yeah, I mean it's uh, this institute, Australian Institute. Um, Cycling Institute came over to um, sort of open the door uh, for the youngsters to come over and to get exposure. And I, I think that's really the only way um, to do it. You know, it, it's it's quite daunting for a young South African or any young um, girl or boy to leave home um, and to come into the unknown where often it's, you know, in Europe it's a foreign language. Um and to try and make it, it's, it's really not easy. So 
the more sort of support and um, stability and sort of comfort one can offer them in that period, the better. So, you know, essentially, I think that's the way to do it is, is to create a base in Europe um, with some funding and, and to get the youngsters over here and, and getting exposure. Um, but the big challenge, obviously, for South Africa and Africa in general is just, you know, I suppose no federation is perfect. But, um, yeah, we, we have a fair amount of challenges. in There isn't a lot of funding yeah. in South African Cycling Federation. So, um, yeah, I mean, my thought right now is, and what we, together with Carl and, to be honest, even my dad and Robbie Hunter um, are involved in, in trying to find um, ways of getting private funding. Um, so instead of complaining about what our federation isn't doing, we're trying to find ways of of doing it ourselves. So um, I think private funding is the only way forward to try and get big companies to back a national project and to eventually um, aim to, to do similar to what the Australians are doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because especially in the context of African cycling, because you look at um, African as the continent cycling, because you look at the UCI talking about diversification and, you know, wanting to get big, you know, wanting to get bigger and better. And you just think, well, you know, visa problems, I <laughs> just, it's just ridiculous. You know, it's a ridiculous thing, but it's, yeah. it, it's going to be interesting seeing with the Commonwealth games, you know, being a Commonwealth game, this games year, that's always a, I think that's always something that, that hopefully can, can at least, at least shine a light on it. And make it a little bit more visible. Like obviously the Australians are going to be brilliant, but it's it's um it'll be it'll be good it'll be good to watch you, Ash, <laughs> and the other you know the other the other the other the other um, African nations other nations not not necessarily African nations either yeah. but just the Commonwealth nations that you don't normally get to see having a yeah, chance to, to yeah, shine. Well, I'm really looking forward to the Commonwealth Games, and um, it is obviously very important um, for us as sort of you know, Commonwealth nations and, you know, South Africa and African um, countries. Um, it, is, it is an opportunity, you know, maybe to shine um, with slightly slightly less competitive fields, you know, without playing it down, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it will be my first Commonwealth Games, actually, because, um, unfortunately, I was selected um, to go to Delhi. It would have been my first time representing South Africa in any event, but... I broke my collarbone just before, so um, I wasn't able to go. So it will be a, a first Commonwealth Games for me, and I'm looking forward to it. Oh, good luck. <laughs> I hope Scotland treats you well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope it doesn't rain on you. So, um, I mean, you, as you said, you came over, for the t you started relatively late in cy cycling, didn't you? Was it, was it while you were at university? Yeah, it was. So, um, yeah, I really only started competing in cycling in, in 2008 which is really not so long ago mm. so yeah in my 20s um which is quite late um for you know professional sport <laughs> and then and then coming over i mean was it how did you because you did you'd completed an engineering degree hadn't you and how did you make that jump to decide to come over here yeah i mean that's quite a sort of interesting story i mean i've i've really always loved sport you know like from a, a really young age and at school I mean I played sort of hockey tennis the, the more traditional school sports and I always sort of had this challenge where my, my birthday is in December which obviously for South Africa our year runs January to December so right. I was always really young um, yeah. in my class and always the smallest and so hockey I was fast but I wasn't the strongest you know and that mm. always um played against me. Um, so I, I rode, I, I mean, I 
I played for the A team rather than the first team, you know. Uh, but I always had this desire to 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 do sports more seriously and but also being a very academic, you know, an achiever academically at school. Um, yeah, I, I, I decided to study engineering. And, you know, when I first started university, I, I really would never have imagined that this is what I would be doing now. I mean, mm -hmm. if you asked me in 2005 when I started studying, you know, I would really have thought I'd be in a high-powered engineering job now. Um, so it was really the last thing on my mind. And then just, you know... Um, I met Carl, uh, my husband, at university, and he was really sporty. Um, so he came from a background where, I mean, national colors in all sorts of sports, from mm -hmm. hockey to squash to swimming. Um, and sort of later in his life, he, he focused more on triathlon. And, yeah, he at the time was um, really serious into his triathlon and um, actually preparing to go and represent South Africa at um, World Champs in, in Japan that year. And um, it's actually quite an interesting story because, you know, me being the academic, but this, I do have, I had an interest in sport, but I, I wasn't really the best at, at any sport in particular. And Carl being this avid, amazing athlete um, who was also studying engineering um, and, he hadn't necessarily developed skills to um, to study, you know, mm. properly, you know. So he was distracted with sport, and I was um, really good at at the university work. And then we had our um, first test week, and we'd actually just started dating. And um, it was quite funny. Carl loves to tell the story, actually, about um, we got our maths marks back, and um, we were in sitting in maths class, and and the lecturer stood at the front of the class and said. Yeah, the lowest class in the mark is and um, the lowest mark in the class, excuse me, is um eleven percent or something. And the highest mark in the class is ninety something percent. Um so whoever got eleven percent, you should really reconsider your um your direction of studies and I think you know you should get out of this class. <laughs> and whoever got ninety percent, you know, you're doing incredibly well and um you can be proud of yourself. And she then invited us all to come to get our our papers and we went up nervous to go and collect our papers and Carl picked up his paper and I still actually kind of remember the blank look on his face as he looked at it and sort of nervous said to me what did you get and I was a bit embarrassed but eventually he noticed that I was the one with the highest mark and he was the one with the lowest mark <laughs> and he literally dropped the paper and ran oh, no. <laughs> and I thought oh my word now here we go you know I've chased away my, my boyfriend, <laughs> um, an academic um, achiever. Oh, here we go. Anyway, so I, um, I set off after him to go find him, and I eventually found him in his, at his res um, room, and I sort of knocked on the door, and I said to him, you know what? We can do this together. If you teach me how to ride a bike, I'll teach you how to study and do well at maths and that's literally how things <laughs> happened so from there on I was his maths mentor and he was my cycling mentor and you know I first actually dabbled in triathlon and and I'm actually a hopeless swimmer uh, <laughs> so then I tried duathlon and I'm not a bad runner but I just kept getting running injuries and that's what eventually forced me to focus on cycling alone and yeah it was the best choice ever so then by our final year I was jetting off to um, Tour of Ardèche, you know, to go and get my first taste of European racing. And Carl was left behind in, in um, Stellenbosch 
finishing off my thesis in the biodiesel lab, you know, um, doing the practical work for me because I was away. So, um, yeah, the roles completely switched. <laughs> we both we both got our engineering degrees, um, him in civil and, and mine chemical. But, yeah, straight after that, um, you know, we had just realized that um, cycling was was something I, I had a talent for. And um, being young, we decided, well, why not? Let's take on this adventure. And um, that's what got us over to Europe. And, you know, my first taste of, of racing in um, Europe was the Tour of Ardèche. And I just loved the challenge of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love cycling in South Africa. But, you know, the routes and the competition there is just not the same as it is here obviously the level is just not the same and I don't know there's something about a challenge that excites me so and Carl for that matter so we came over to Europe in 2010 um to to see what it was all about wow and and so I guess somewhere out there there's an imaginary Ashley who never met Carl who's like a high-flying chemical engineer (laughs) possibly I mean, that, I mean, it's 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 a strange, it's such a strange thing, isn't it? Because I mean, you've you've, I guess there are, I guess you people think about engineering as a male-dominated profession, and oh. and obviously cycling is so male-dominated. Is that? I mean, is that something that you just don't care about? <laughs> I'll just it's do it because I love it. I seem to have always like oh, chosen male-dominated um sort of directions. Yeah, it, it's been interesting. Um, yeah, I suppose actually. It's been good for me, really. Um, when I growing up, I was at a girls-only school, and probably I was quite shy, never really dated boys. Um, you know, just quite uptight, perfectionist. You know, and yeah, it's been it was really good for me. You know, to throw myself into obviously engineering is is considered one of of the hardest degrees. So I suppose that's what sort of drew me to it in the first place. Yeah, but um, you know, people often bring that up, and they go, you know, you've got this amazing degree, but don't you think you're wasting it? You know, why are you why are you cycling? There's no there's no money in women cycling. <laughs> you could be earning so much more as an engineer. And you know, my answer to that is, firstly, you know, my passion lies in cycling, and I'm young now, so it's only something you can do while you're young. So yeah. I, I'm, you know, that's why we're pursuing it. And but also. Engineering has never been a waste because I learned so much um, studying a degree of of that nature. You know, being in a male-dominated environment, firstly, um, being a hard degree. You know, it you don't just you have to really find the motivation and the perseverance to get through it all. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I think that my engineering degree has actually made me a better cyclist to be honest oh fantastic <laughs> that makes any sense <laughs> yeah 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 there, there's a couple of engineers engineering women in the peloton aren't there i mean obviously oh. obviously um J- uh, emma pooley's just finished her phd in geotechnical engineering do you do you ever do you ever have that little engineers club <laughs> <laughs> yeah i we have had the odd um chats about it um emma and i but also in my own team Cecilia. Um, yeah, of course. She's also, another PhD, she, isn't she? Yeah, she's a chemical engineer, and she's actually a practicing chem- chemical engineer. So that always amazes me. I mean, that woman is like superwoman, seriously. You know, she yeah, yeah. splits herself into five. <laughs> you know, not only is she a practicing chemical engineer, she's a mom too, um, yeah. and she manages to come over and do all the racing. Um, so yeah, we have our chats about it, and it's it's interesting, you know, to yeah, obviously, I don't have any experience working as an engineer, so 
um, it's yeah, it's interesting to talk um, to Cecilia and to and to get an idea of what it's really like um, to be a, an engineer. But yeah, obviously my my engineering, my analytical skills are are used also every day in terms of you know power data and all the the cycling data and and stuff. Obviously, fascinates me and interests me. So um, yeah, <laughs> sometimes I have to. I have to remind myself not to get too caught up in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was going to ask you, as a perfectionist, how do you cope with something like cycling when there are so many variables, like everything from the weather to, to you know, to, to mechanical injuries, to bad positioning or to someone else crashing in front of you? I mean, how does perfectionist you manage that? Yeah, interesting again. I mean, I could probably talk for ages because um, another sort of... Um, life event which um, maybe sort of changed me so from being a really uh, at school uh, um, academic you know performer um, perfectionist to the T a type personality um, I actually had a really bad horse riding accident in my final year at school um, Mm -hmm. where I had a really serious head injury so halfway through my school year um, my final school year, I was just going on a casual Sunday afternoon ride with uh, my dad and my uncle. And um, I hadn't been riding my horse for about two or three weeks um, because I'd been away um, on holiday. And I knew that uh, my horse was an uptight, uh, sort of strong horse. And I was a little bit nervous because we were going out on an out ride with horses that he didn't know. And um, But I'd also made a huge mistake. I had left my helmet at home. And... Um, at the time I, I said to my dad, I was like, oh, you know, I, I've left my helmet at home. Um, I don't know if I should ride. And he said, him and my uncle said, oh, no, don't worry. We're just going for a Sunday afternoon stroll. Nothing will happen. And yeah, there we go. Set off and we turned into a field and something flew out of a bush and my horse just got this massive fright and just took off. Mm. And, um, yeah, he was really strong and I uh, yeah, potentially wasn't even, you know, riding the right but and I just couldn't get him to stop so I decided okay well I'm just gonna hang on because he's going home and when he gets back to the stables he will stop but as we entered into the um into the stables there's like a there was a piece of concrete over a waterway and I don't remember the exact details of of the incident but what I think happened is or what we um managed to fathom um, is that he just didn't slow down and he, he went across this piece of concrete with some loose gravel way too fast and he slipped. Oh. And as he slipped, I fell off with my head onto the piece of concrete. Oh. It was quite a serious... Um, oh my goodness, actually. <laughs> head injury, uh, a basal skull fracture. And um, yeah, luckily my dad and uncle rushed me off to the hospital. There was a paramedic there riding his horse, luckily. You know, wow. he stabled the horse at the same place. So everything sort of miraculously happened um, in the right way and they got me to the hospital um, very quickly and yeah, I was in a coma for 10 days or so and yeah the prognosis was really bad like they said I wasn't going to finish school and you know I'd never be the same person and all those kind of things um, which I think neurosurgeons just have to do um, but yeah it really um, it really I was really determined you know when to prove everybody wrong so um, mm. this happened in June and, um, yeah, by the end of the year, October, I had managed to make a miraculous recovery and I wrote my final year exams and I passed all seven subjects with distinction. So it was really quite an incredible, um, life event, life changing event. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I, I just realized, you know, 
part of that, my parents said to me, you know, you need to learn to relax. You know, you need to take a year off because this has just been too stressful. So I actually did a gap year. And I went to the UK and stooged at a school just outside of Oxford, mm-hmm. Summerfield's Boys School. And um, I think it was just through that experience, you know, traveling a bit in Europe and, you know, just having such a life-changing event um, happen that I just also learned a little bit to kind of relax. And then um, meeting Carl, I mean, he's been an incredible um, force in my life. You know, not only has he been the one that's that's been, you know, the one to get me over here and riding and riding at the level that I am, he's just an incredible person. You know, he he's we've been such a great team, you know, so I've brought the discipline side to our relationship and he's brought the fun loving side, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of taking things as they come. And you know, I really wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing without him. Um, and yeah, obviously cycling, as you say, it's so unpredictable and, and there's so many things that you have no control of. And that's also once again, being good for me, um, you know, learning to let go sometimes and just to take things as they come. And obviously, like I said, trying to keep a positive um, spin on, on every situation also helps, you know, and to kind of always think, well, there is a bigger, a bigger picture or a bigger plan. Um, and yeah, just it's all part of the journey. Yeah, wow, that's amazing, actually. Yeah, so sorry, you're hearing all the all the depths of of my history here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fantastic. I mean, God, I can't even imagine what that must have been like, and for your poor family, for your father to say, "No, no, come out riding." <laughs> anyway, that must have been a really that must have been just to kind of get over that and to be able to accept it. Actually, I should have I could have done it differently, but but just to kind of accept and move on. That's yeah. that's quite a strong. That's a very strong thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it was really hard for my dad, actually, you know, finding me there, unconscious and convulsing. And it was like a case of life, life or death, you know. Yeah, and yeah so it's, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I know wow. it sounds cliche, but it really is true. Yeah. Um, and I guess after that, things like allergies. I mean, you know, you know that the pollen will go away eventually. Exactly. Yeah. And you know that, you know, if you break your hand, you know that your bones will mend again. So... It brings some perspective yeah, to life. Yeah. Sometimes you have to remind yourself, though, um, because it can, you can get sort of lost in the moment of like, oh, this is just terrible. Um, yeah. What are we going to do? But it's about keeping that perspective always and, you know, realizing that it is so small in the bigger scheme of things. Yeah. And how do, you, how do you do that when it's going wrong? How do you remind yourself of that? Yeah, well, I suppose, you know... Uh, um, it's my faith. You know, I'm, I'm Christian. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, yeah, I just believe that, that, you know, there is a plan and that um, there is a bigger picture and that there is a power that, that's in control and it's bigger than what I am, you know. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it's just about having faith in, you know, that, that God knows my future and um, that, yeah, it's all part of the journey. And um, the, the challenges are what makes you stronger. And um, it's about coming out of them, you know, and uh, and just, you know, using them to fuel you further, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I suppose it's it's quite sort of a, a deep faith. And Wow. So, I mean, one last question. I mean, you, obviously, when you came over, you were a real big fan. I remember your Mariana Voss's very fast header on your blog. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how do you feel now that you're now that you're part of the peloton? You know, because you had that very good perspective of being an outsider looking in. How 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 do you feel now? You know, four years for your fourth season over here. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Do you still feel the same about it? Yeah, I mean, 
I still, yeah, I still think Mariana is, is incredible, obviously. Um, and yeah, but it's, you know, it, things have progressed. So from being, you know, the outsider, admiring fan, um, or, you know, um, novice trying to, to break into the, into the peloton, um, mm -hmm. to now being sort of, you know, one of, one of them, you know, and, um, you know, now it's like chatting to, to Mariana, I know her, she knows me, you know, um, whereas before you'd sort of be nervous around them and think, oh, you know, this um, amazing multiple world champion, you know, um, so yeah, things have changed, um, relationships have changed, you know, mm -hmm. so it's, yeah, it's strange, I haven't really given it a lot of thought, um, to be honest, but yeah, I just think, you know, I've always, that for me is instead of, I've always tried to kind of come in here and from the start to to be friendly and yeah. to all the riders. And I think that also always helped. You know, I, I tried to, instead of coming in and saying, oh, I've got something to prove, you know, I came in saying, I've got something to learn um, and I can learn from these girls. And I, I still do, you know. I mean, so funny enough now, you know, I'm sort of, you know, one of, of, of the, you know, if without sounding arrogant, respected riders in the peloton, but I still make rookie errors, you know, yeah. <laughs> I still make stupid mistakes. And, you know, once again, that just happened recently. Um, now uh, with the racing in, in Holland and in Belgium, um, the past weekend with, with Holland Hills classic, I mean, I had a great win there, um, last year and then coming back to defend, um, I just make it made it, stupid error of um yeah obviously the season's been a bit challenging with allergies and I maybe lost a little bit of confidence in the process because I wasn't ever really sure of of um how my body was going to respond but now things are changing and you know the training's been going well and I'm feeling good again but um I went into Holland Heels um in a way sort of being more conservative and thinking oh you know I'm going to save myself for the second part of the race I'm not going to go out too hard mm. and having done that I was sort of sitting further back um, more than being at the front, where I usually like to be, you know, at the front so I don't miss anything. Mm -hmm. But this time I was sort of conserving, sitting further back, thinking, oh, no, I'll wait for my time later in the race. And doing that, I completely missed the move. You know, it came at a time um, we I least expected it. It's The split happened on, on a descent rather than on an uphill. You know, mm -hmm. there are 14 climbs in the Holland Hills Classic. <laughs> the takeaway went on a downhill. <laughs> So, it's always um, the way. It was so frustrating because, you know, this breakaway just slipped off the front. I saw it happening, but I was just too far back and the roads were narrow and there was just no way coming around the riders. And by the time I got to the front, I mean, unfortunately, we were only team four team or three other teammates, four riders in the race from high tech because we'd split our team over a few races. Mm -hmm. um, and so yeah, my teammates, I mean, with all due credit, they did the best they could to chase and on uh, the next hill, I tried to bridge across, but it just wasn't long enough. And then next thing, the, the right away just disappeared down the road. And I felt so frustrated um, because, you know, I felt like I'd, I'd let myself down and I'd let my team down, you know. And um, that was a hard thing to accept again. Such a stupid mistake. You know, yeah. why? Why do that? You know, why not be aggressive, be at the front where you like to be, you know. So then I decided, okay, well, for quick, I'm going to improve on that and I'm, I'm not going to race um, conservatively I'm going to be up front where I like to be and where I usually am you know and so I did exactly that and everything was going amazingly got into the breakaway of the day um, on on the carpal mead 
um, riding strong in the select group with Mariana, Emma, Elisa, myself, mm. chasing down loose up the road, and then made another stupid error, just underestimated the distance, 140 kilometers, and um, we were in a breakaway for almost half of the race, 70 um, kilometers, mm. and I just didn't eat properly. You know, I took three gels in the whole race and one bottle of, of energy drink, and by the time we got to the last lap, um, I just felt like my tank was empty, you know. Um, so another rookie error. I mean, it was uh, still a great effort from it was a, it was a great ride from Elisa and I, and, and it was great for her to finish um, third on the podium. But yeah, I was I sort of lost touch with the breakaway group with five k's to go. So I, ha I managed to hang on to my fifth place. But um, yeah, essentially we we should have won, you know. Either yeah. us or, or Green Edge being um, two riders each in the breakaway yeah, and yeah, yeah. being alone. So, again, a rookie error. And you think, come on, you know. <laughs> but um, these things happen. You know, you're always learning. And I think that's the important thing is to accept, to never think that you know everything, you know, but yeah. to, be, to be willing to, to continue to learn and then to try not to make the same mistakes again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, I think there's something, you know, these, these making these errors, but you're still 10th in the Hills Classic and 5th in Wick. So, you know, it, it, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? If you can make all your errors now, once we get to the more, you know, once we get to the stage races and the climbing races, you should be, uh, you should be good to go. You'll have run out of errors. You'll have run out of bad luck. Everything will be right. I hope so. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, so much, so much for talking to me today. And really, huge good luck. A huge good luck in all the races to come. I just, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to seeing what you do this year. And, you know, even even if it doesn't go well, I'm looking forward to reading about you, learning about it. <laughs> cool. Thanks, yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sarah. It was great telling.